once your revenue increases, then I would focus on how do I get five to 10 hours a week back? What are the smallest, easiest tasks that I can get off my plate and maybe increase that an extra five hours because stuff just comes out as an entrepreneur. Hello and welcome to the Small Business School. My name is Craig Staley, 20-year retail veteran, e-commerce practitioner, and entrepreneur. Each week, I will interview a new small business owner that we can learn from to take our businesses to the next level. Now, let's go. My guest today is Nathan Hirsch, co-owner of The Outsource School, a company working to educate entrepreneurs on how to scale using virtual assistants. Nathan has been scaling businesses since 2009 using virtual assistants and freelancers from around the world. He gives some great tips on what to look for in a VA as well as when to stay clear. I ask him to use me as an example of how I might start scaling my business using outsourcing for some of the work. I've already implemented some of his tips and I'm excited for you to learn from Nathan as well. So let's get right to the interview with Nathan Hirsch. I'd like to welcome my guest today. It's Nathan Hirsch. He's the co-founder of Outsource School. How are you today, Nathan? I am great. Thanks for having me, Craig. Thanks for being on. Um, Can you give the listeners a little bit of your background to start off? Yeah, I mean, I was a a longtime Amazon seller. I started an Amazon business out of my college dorm room. I I came across Amazon after selling textbooks and competing with my school bookstore Mm -hmm. until they uh, sent me a cease and desist letter. So, (laughs) That was my my first glimpse into being an entrepreneur. Got me into having an Amazon account, selling books there. I started experimenting. I thought it was so cool. I could have this storefront that ran twenty four seven and automatically deposited money in my bank account. All this was new back in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, and so I did a lot of experimenting with different products, video games, computers, sporting equipment, products that I was familiar with as a college guy and. I just mm-hmm. failed over and over and over. And it wasn't until I branched out of my comfort zone and found the baby product industry that my business really took off. So people thought I was weird. I was getting evil looks. I was sell- <laughs> selling baby products as a 20-year-old college guy, but I was selling a lot. I mean, I was selling millions of dollars overall over a six, seven-year period. We sold around $25, $30 million. Wow. And from there, we we had to hire. But this business was growing. I couldn't do it all myself. I was mm-hmm. starting to get stressed out. So I started off hiring college kids and they were pretty quickly unreliable. They were Mm -hmm. smoking weed on the job, drinking on the job, stuff like that. So a buddy of mine introduced me to the Upworks and the Fivers of the world, the freelance Mm -hmm. virtual assistant marketplaces. So hired my first VA, learned a lot of lessons about hiring VAs, lessons that I, I now teach today. But I always hated those platforms. It just took too long to post a job, get 100 applicants, interview them one by one. And I wanted something better, something faster. And Mm -hmm. I kept looking and looking. And when I couldn't find it, I said, you know what? I'm going to build this marketplace myself. So my business partner, Connor, and I, we spent $5,000 building this software that was the free up platform that did very little. We took it to market. We People fortunately liked it. We we went after Amazon sellers first because we were like that industry before we knew that industry before we expanded. And we grew that thing from a $5,000 investment to a million, to 5 million, to 9 million, to 12 million uh, by year four. 
and we were actually acquired by one of our clients at year four at the end of last year, um, which is a whole other story we can get into if mm-hmm. you want. And then from there, people started asking us if we could teach them our systems, our processes, and we created this new company, Outsource School, which is a $1,000 a year membership where you get access to the fundamentals, our interview onboarding training managing process, all of our SOPs on marketing and operations. You can plug those into your business and our software, Simply SOP, to help you create your own SOPs for your virtual assistant. So that's really what the short story of how I went from books to Amazon, baby products to free up to now outsource school. So when you uh, started free up, did you use 100% uh, virtual assistants to, to grow the business or what, what percent would you say it was? So not just when we started it, by year yeah. four, when we were doing eight figures, we did 12 million, we had no office, no US employees. It was me, my business partner, Connor, and 35 full-time VAs in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. All wow. remote, no office there. You know, obviously you've you've been through a lot of years, you're teaching it now. What would you say is the key to outsourcing successfully to scale your business? So it's funny, whenever I talk to someone, they've struggled with virtual assistants, I usually start off with two questions. It's how did you onboard them? And how often are you running meetings? And both of them are incredibly important. Now you don't need to run every meeting, but there has to be someone running meetings to keep someone accountable. So we do weekly meetings with everyone on Monday to get them on the same page. We do team meetings. So the marketing team, the social media team, the bookkeeping team, once a week to get on the same page. We have a team leaders meeting if you have team leaders, which we teach people how to do. And we have one-on-one performance reviews every quarter. And that's how you continue to keep the consistency. You get ahead of every issue. You assign goals and we give you the rubric for that. Now, the onboarding is the part that all entrepreneurs that that I've seen struggle, they just mess it up. And we call it our SICK method, which is schedule, issues, communication, and culture. And this is a step in between the interview, most entrepreneurs know you need to interview someone. Mm-hmm. And before you train them, most entrepreneurs know you need to train people, but you cover what the schedule is going to be, what their other clients are, what those hours are, their outside commitments. You go through the common issues that people have with VAs, like internet and power and weather family, whatever it is. And you address them with how often do you have these issues? What is the backup plan for each issue? And how are you going to communicate this issue? And you look for red flags there. Then you go over how you communicate, what tools you use, and then you go over your culture and what they should expect and and what you're going to hold them to. And this is a 20 to 40 minute meeting. We give you the blueprint at Outsource School. Mm -hmm. But the whole point is you can keep people accountable to those things. And those red flags that pop up down the line where they lose power and they disappear for three days or whatever it is, you go back to your expectations. You're like, hey, you told me you have a backup power source. You told me you communicate here. And Mm -hmm. it it prevents so many issues down the line. I think one of the points that I caught in that was what other jobs are they working? Because they might only be working a few hours a week for you. And then what's the expectation if they're working three for three other entrepreneurs as well? What takes precedence? Right, exactly. And you're right. I mean, I always set the expectation that I have to be your number one priority unless mm-hmm. that unless I'm hiring them for two hours a week and they have a full-time client, I have to be sure. reasonable. But I'll also ask clients, I'm like, all right, you, you, you think your VA is like not distracting and focused. What other clients do they have? How many hours a week are they working total? And a lot of the time the client says, I have no idea. I know they have a side client or whatever. And I'm always like, okay, take a step back, talk to your VA, 
find out the exact hours they work for other clients, how many other clients they have. You don't need the exact names of the businesses, although that's good to know. What industries are they in? Are these the same type of work? Like you need that information, especially when you're hiring in the remote space. Gotcha. Um, so I think a lot of entrepreneurs might be in a similar situation that I'm in. So I'm going to use my own situation as maybe a business case for you to look at and and make some recommendations. So I started my web design business last fall, started a podcast this spring. I've got a 40-hour week job. I've got a wife and two kids. So a lot going on. I try to make sure that when I'm working my my side business, it's at night when the kids are in bed. Try not to get into too much family time and, and push it too, too hard. The only thing I've currently offloaded is the editing of this podcast. What would you say is the next steps um, for hiring VAs to, to scale my business without knowing a whole lot of the background? The, the first step would be to build a reliable Rolodex of people that you can go to in the creative space. So it could be web developers, it could be graphic designers, it could be video editors. And like now I have three video editors and I don't need anyone full-time or part-time consistently, but whenever a project comes in, I put it in a Slack chat. Whoever can get to it first grabs it. They give me a due date. They give me a good due time. If that works for me, great. If that doesn't work for me, I give it to someone else, one of the other two people. And they know my, my working style. So every time a project comes up, I don't have to post a job, go through the process, teach mm-hmm. them. I've built this Rolodex of, of multiple people at each skill set that I can rely on. Now, once your revenue increases, then I would focus on how do I get five to 10 hours a week back? What are the smallest, easiest tasks that I can get off my plate and maybe increase that an extra five hours because stuff just comes out as an entrepreneur. Let's say you identify five hours of work that can get done every week. Great. Hire a VA. You can make her flexible schedule with just a check-in point. You can do a set schedule, whatever works for you, but then maybe make it 10 hours or increase it 10 hours later when you can afford it and say, Hey, every day I want you to check in with me or every Monday check in with me. And I'm going to sign you random stuff that's re- that I need for this week. And over time, you'll probably add to her plate and increase her hours. So that's what I do to get started. And of course, calculate how much you can actually afford. We have a free VA calculator at Outsource School, but understanding your budget for that's incredibly important. So when you're hiring a VA, I think I know one thing that you've talked about a couple of times is, is SOPs, a standard operating procedure. Um, talk a little bit more about how, how important it is to have that SOP um, when you're hiring a VA. Yeah. I mean, SOPs are are important for a lot of different reasons. I mean, first of all, it's a thing that helps you actually get your time back because you're giving someone a a training document or in our case, we use our our software simply SOP that people can put their their videos and text in and it breaks it down easily. But second, if you want to ever sell your business, you need those SOPs. When we were going through the due diligence process, they said, how does customer service work? How does billing Mm -hmm. work? And we passed over 30, 40, 50 page SOPs that says who does what, when in every single situation that has been updated every three months. So we eventually gave our VAs ownership of to keep up those up to date. And if we had said, hey, it's in my head or yeah, let me walk you through it on a phone call because there's nothing documented. They Mm -hmm. weren't buying that business. So we're big proponents of documenting everything and 
there's some SOPs that apply to all businesses, which is what we teach it with our playbooks and our courses like bookkeeping and customer service and podcasts and like that stuff applies no matter what. But then there's going to be stuff that's very specific to your business that you're going to have to build out over time. There's going to be tweaks, but you want to document that process along the way, especially if someone quits on you because you don't want to have to do one-on-one training every single time someone quits. You want to be able to hand them a document or hand them a video or use our software or whatever it is and get someone 60, 70, 80, 90% up to speed before you dive into the one-on-one training. So you can test them, make sure they understand it before you invest your time into them. So when you're interviewing a, a new VA, what would you say is the biggest red flag that would steer you clear of that person? Uh, response time. So we do our interviews via Slack. And this is something that I think our members get in shock a little bit, although you can always do a video later or whatever if Mm -hmm. you want to. But most of the time you're going to be communicating with the VA, Slack or Skype or whatever text communication tool you use, that part doesn't matter. Most of the time you're not going to be calling your VA every single time you want to talk to them or hopping on a Zoom call. That's just not how most efficient businesses work when you're working with VA. So you want to do this interview via Slack and you want to see how long does it take them to respond. If they're taking seven, eight minutes to respond to every single question, guess what's going to happen when you work with them and you want to assign tasks. If they're not understanding what you're saying or your conversations are going in circles or their answers are short, they're not giving you anything that's like the step one of the red flags that we're not proceeding forward unless we can have a a very quick back and forth conversation and get on the same page quickly. Gotcha. So let's change gears a little bit. Um, So obviously your software sounds like it's great. Helps helps a lot with outsourcing, helps a lot to create SOPs um, for your VAs. What other tools or software have you found helpful for small business owners? Yeah. So we use Slack. We use Trello for project management. Our software only does SOPs. It doesn't do project management at all. Um, And we use Jira for developers, which is more of a, it's kind of an advanced Asana, advanced Trello um, for developers. We use WhatsApp and Viber for emergencies. And outside of that, I might be missing one thing, but we keep it very simple. I mean, we're running a 35 person remote team with Mm -hmm pretty much free or or very inexpensive software that can get the job done. And I think a lot of times people overcomplicate it. Like, yeah, Mm -hmm. if you've got a hundred clients and all these freelancers and projects going on, like, yeah, you should probably step it up a notch, but even Trello has a lot of advanced features, but for the average entrepreneur, the average small business, you can keep it easy and simple as long as you're holding people to the right communication channels and keeping stuff updated over time. Perfect. Uh, what would you say has been the biggest challenge that you've personally faced in business and how did you overcome it? The biggest challenge that I faced in business. Yeah. I mean, with Amazon, we kind of had all our eggs controlled by Amazon, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. Like they own the brand, they own the business, they could change their algorithm like that and just like mess up our entire plan. So I think that was really why we got away from Amazon, even though we were decently good at making money on Amazon. We didn't see ourselves doing this for 20 years where we we come up with a plan, we implement it, Amazon changes it, we go in circles, we come up with a new plan to not to mention all the other business stuff that's going on, like getting manufacturers and, and expanding the business. So for us, we, we kind of took what we learned from the hiring side of Amazon, brought it over to free up, but we had no idea how to market because once we got away from Amazon, Amazon had done all the marketing for us. I mean, we pay them the 15%, they do the mm-hmm. marketing. So 
we had to learn marketing from scratch. And we didn't know what SEO was. We didn't know what Facebook ads were. We didn't know what podcasts were. So yeah. all of this was through trial and error. And it took us a while to, to really master what we feel like is this great organic marketing playbook that you can apply to different businesses. And it's kind of funny because we never actually mastered ads when it came to um, free up only because it, it was a tough business model to run ads. Not impossible, just tough because it's free to sign up. There's no monthly fees. There's no consistency. It's a marketplace that people can start and stop and sign up in three months and hire someone mm-hmm. and stop for three months. So it, it's very tough to track it back to ads. And so with Outsource School now, we, we know how to hire, we know how to, this organic marketing blueprint, and we were able to implement those much quicker than we were on other businesses. But now we got to learn the ad space if we want to grow. We don't want uh, Outsource School to depend on me going on podcasts or me posting on Facebook. There's got to be something more scalable than that. So I feel like with every business, you're kind of taking what you learned from the last business and trying to master and conquer something else. And that's mm-hmm. kind of the challenge that, that we overcome adding to your toolkit. So I'm going to take one away from you here, but if you had to choose other than selling free up, what was the best moment in your business history so far? So to me, it actually wasn't selling free up. It, it okay. was, we took this trip to the Philippines and I mean, we, we said, Hey, anyone that want any VAs that are on the free up marketplace that want to show up at this location, will have free food, will have free drinks, like no pressure. You don't have to come. You're not going to get in yeah. trouble if you don't. And so we had no idea what to expect. And we show up and it was hundreds of people and people are showing me their houses and their cars and how appreciated they are of the free up platform. And we got to talk to them and interact with them. And like, to me, that was really rewarding. And we went to sell free up, which is obviously a tough decision. We wanted to put the free up in the hands of people that are going to take really, really good care of these people. Um, The the VAs on the marketplace are are different than the VAs on our internal team. And Mm -hmm. so we we took $500,000 from the sale and gave it to our team in the Philippines, our internal team there and made sure they were taken care of and their jobs are secure. So to me, it always comes back to making sure it benefits the VAs and creating the, the win-win situation. I mean, even with Outsource School, although we don't offer VA services anymore, we donate 3% of our, all sales to our favorite charity, uh, Teach for the Philippines, that provides education to, to Filipino children that um, don't necessarily have access to it. So for us, it, it always comes back to, to helping those. That's great. And that kind of brings up a question in my mind here. I mean, I know you can outsource from tons of different places and countries. And why why the Philippines? Why did you guys choose the Philippines? Yeah, it's funny. I, I think there's a few different reasons. I mean, from why we like hiring from the Philippines, there's obviously the, the cost of living there is lower. They speak English at a high level. Their culture is all about family, which is great mm-hmm. when you're building an internal culture. I also think part of it is one of the VAs we hired first, her name is Chicky Ann. I'm the godfather of one of her kids. Um, she was from the Philippines. So when we started getting referrals and she's interviewing people, we tend to kind hire more from the Philippines. Yeah. Um, but on the free marketplace, there's plenty of people that are not in the Philippines. Like okay. my graphic designers from India, our developers there were from India. So we hired from all over. Um, but I think for the actual VA role, which I consider more that following role, mm-hmm. we have personally just had a lot more success from the Philippines. That's great. Who would you consider a mentor and what would you say is maybe the most important lesson they've taught you? It's funny. I've never had like that official mentor or, or business yeah. coach. I mean, there, there's people that I look up to that have helped me a lot. Uh, my business partner, Connor, is, is one of them. I mean, when I first started, I, I was a, a much more like rigid, direct 
um, almost like talking down to people because I never really had a real job outside mm-hmm. of some internships where people were direct and they talked down to me. And, and that's kind of how I thought you manage people. So I learned just a lot about culture and managing people from him. My mom owned a, a preschool. So I got to see the nonprofit side and got the work ethic from her. Uh, my aunt sold a, a company um, recently and she re- ran a printing company for years. So mm-hmm. when I was on the fence about, do I take that real job out of college or do I continue being an entrepreneur? Having a very long talk with her was, was very helpful. So um, yeah, a lot of people that have helped me along the way, but no, no one I consider like my mentor. So if you could hop into a time machine, go back to the day that you and your partner launched FreeUp, uh, what advice would you give your past self? Uh, focus on software early. I, that's something that we neglected early on. We were focused on the customer service and the freelancers and the getting clients. And it took us a while to, to realize, hey, we're a software company and we're trying to not make that same mistake with outsource school, building the software early on and investing resources into it. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, I think that was probably one of the bigger things. Your, your users just found challenges in, in using the software early on? Yeah, I think for the first year of FreeUp, everyone hated the FreeUp software. And it wasn't yeah. until we started to invest in it and take it seriously that, that people's opinions started to change. And even when we sold it, I mean, we probably got it from a two out of 10 to a six or seven out of 10. And yeah. we told the new owners, hey, it's like, it's up to you to take it to that 10 out of 10, which will really help the business as a whole. Mm-hmm. So um, where can our listeners find out more about Outsource School? Yeah, go to outsourceschool.com. We've got a free trial of our membership. We've got a free trial of our software, Simply SOP. You can book a call with us right on the site. Um, and yeah, we've got a lot of free resources and training there. Awesome. Well, you, you definitely provided a lot of value today. I, I definitely learned some lessons. Appreciate you coming on with me today, Nathan. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. All right, have a good day. You too. Great conversation with Nathan today. A lot of great tips that I hadn't considered. I've managed teams in past lives, but never had to consider whether they would have power or Wi-Fi and what to do in those scenarios. It makes a lot of sense, though. Using virtual assistants versus hiring people shouldn't change the relationship. You need to make sure you're onboarding, training, and setting expectations. You still need to make sure that you touch base with them at least weekly and have monthly or quarterly one-on-one meetings, as well as a yearly review and set the expectation for possible raises. Even though on paper the relationship is different and they may be a thousand miles away or more, they still want to be set up for success and treated just the same way as any other member of your team. If you're a small business owner or looking to start a business, join the Small Business School Facebook group. It's a private community of people focused on helping each other grow their businesses. Join the community and let's help each other take our businesses to the next level. We'll see you there. If you'd like to learn more about our guest today or be a future guest on the Small Business School, go to craigsdaily.com slash podcast for more info. And of course, it would mean the world to me if you'd click subscribe or write a review for the Small Business School in your podcast app of choice. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week.